go tonight to First Chronicles chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. If I can find First Chronicles, that's not where we read, is it? But uh, Deanna and I, was we were out doing some things one day, and uh, she, uh, I, I don't know, just in passing, she said to me, she was telling me that the teachers, some of the teachers at her school were just all in an uproar about this book that... Uh, that uh, this book that was, I, I don't know if it's new on the market. I didn't really even pay attention or if it's, it's, if it's a new book. I guess it is fairly new. But anyway, and so uh, and uh, so then a couple of days later, I was coming down McFarland and that Gospel Supply, is that what it's called? Anyway, that bookstore, it, it had a sign out front that they had this book. And, and I don't know, for some reason, I just whirled in there and just thought, well, I'm going to see, you know, I guess I'm just nosy enough to see what the denominational people are in an uproar about. So I went in and whirled in and got the book. And, uh, you know, I tell you, it was just really an awesome, it was awesome, it was an awesome little book. There were a couple of little things in it that, uh, that I kind of, you know, there was a couple of, you know, nobody's got it all. You know, and, you know, so sometimes, you know, there might be a word or two about suffering or something like that, you know, and we know that we, that's not what God has for us. But I, and I don't even remember what it was, but there was a couple of things. But I tell you, most of all, that book was just an awesome, you know, book. And it started, it, God started using it in my life. And it was really encouraging me and blessing me. So um, I felt like the Lord said he wanted me to, to, uh, to share some things, you know, along that line with y'all. And it's in First Chronicles chapter 4. The whole book is based on First Chronicles chapter 4 and just two little verses, verses 9 and 10. And, and the name of the book is the prayer of Jabez. And, uh, and so in verse 9 it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. And that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. And I like that part in verse 9 where it says, And Jabez was more honorable, more honorable than his brethren. Amen. And, and family, that would be such a high compliment for God to write that about you in His Word and say that you were more honorable than your brethren. So what a compliment to Jabez. And you know, it's so interesting. It says his mother bore him in sorrow. And actually his name means uh, pain, or actually it means uh, he, he brought me pain or he brings me pain. I mean, it's like, you know, some mothers and what they name their kids, it's like... God, I mean, even I feel that way sometimes. I mean, not about anybody here, okay? But I have heard people name their kids things, and I am going, this mother needed a revelation, you know? <laughs> you know, she needed help. She needed something. But anyway, um, uh, in that day, you know, we don't so much know what names mean. I mean, I can't tell you what Kevin means. I couldn't tell you what Kim means. You know? Huh? Kind and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> no, one thing I have noticed, though, that when I have fa looked up names, it's like it's kind of amazing that we nearly we fit them. You know, we we do. I mean, somehow it's like I, you know, it seems like God. Well, you know, it's really amazing that you fit that. No, I didn't. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> you are pretty kind and good and handsome, you know. So, but anyway, 
But, uh, but you know, most people just doesn't, don't know what your name means and you don't know what my name means. But in that day, they did. I mean, when, when they were walking around calling Abraham, Abraham, father of multitudes, they knew they were saying father of multitudes. And I know they were shaking their heads like, this is weird, you know, because you don't have any kids. But they knew what it meant. And so people knew that his name meant pain or he brought me pain or he brings me pain. And, you know, we don't know what this mother's pain was. We don't know if this was a, a terrible childbirth or maybe her husband left her or what, you know. You know, you, you know. But anyway, this was a painful circumstance and she named her kid that. And so he kind of started off, it seems to me, like on the left foot. You know, he just didn't have a name that just brought a blessing on his life. But hallelujah, you know what? We can rise up above our circumstances. Amen. Amen. God can always cause us to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. He, we can be overcomers in Him. Doesn't matter how we started off. Hallelujah. Aren't y'all thankful? Amen. Amen. So if you didn't start off quite right, well, you can just join Jabez here, okay? And uh, so anyway, um, he, he starts off, and, and you see in verse 10 the whole secret of the reason he's more honorable than all his brethren. And it says the first thing, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. He prays a prayer here, and there's four components to the prayer. The, prayer, the first part of the prayer is that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my coast, the King James says, but I really like the word territory. And one version, I believe, says territory. That you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me, and that you would keep me from evil. Now, I got some really great revelation out of this. Some of this, some of this I've had a revelation for years. I've had a revelation for years of God's good hand being upon us. Nehemiah. God showed me in Nehemiah many years ago um, that, that God's hand being upon us will cause doors of favor and things to open for us that, that it normally the answer would be no, but God's hand is upon us. Amen. And so I've actively believed God for His hand to be upon me. Made that an active part of my faith and of my believing. But you know, <clears throat> just got my eyes opened in some other areas. Um, the word blessed there. You know, we, the word bless is so common, it's nearly, it's nearly become, um, you know, where it has no meaning to us. You know, when you sneeze, your grandmother says, bless you, which kind of means nothing. You know, I mean, really, I mean, you know, it's just kind of, it's nearly like, how are you? Or it's just a phrase that we use, bless you, uh, God bless you. It's nearly a phrase that we use that has very little meaning anymore. It's become, but you know, in the word, it's not ever intended that way. It means, the word bless actually means uh, to ask for or in, to ask for or to impart supernatural favor. To ask for or to impart supernatural favor. So when you tell somebody, bless you, you're saying, supernatural favor be on you. Hallelujah. I receive it, don't you? And when you ask God to bless you, you're saying, Father, impart to me supernatural favor. You're asking Him to, to bless you, to do something in your life. Amen? Well, I want to take that a little... You know, I'm, I always read a book and then take it further. <laughs> Pastor Webb says, you know, because you know, all preachers preach other people's pre preachers' messages, he says he'll always say, well, I'm going to take that as a good message and I'm going to take it and make it excellent. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm going to take what this Bruce Wilkerson wrote, and I'm going to make it excellent, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. But I would encourage you to get the book. I, I mean, it is well worth the $9.95 that it costs because it, it'll, it'll transform you. It'll put something in you. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so um, what, what God began to minister to me in this book is, um, you know, God wants to pick out blessings for you. You're his child, and he won't, you know, when you go shopping at Christmas, you pick out blessings for your children. You pick out things, you say, oh, you know, I know what my kids would like. Mostly, mostly. I do a pretty good job of, 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 of hitting what they like. Of course, it's kind of a thing with me, you know, and, I'm, and I, I like to go pick out blessings for my kids. And I like to pick out things I know. And I know their taste pretty good. I miss it every once in a while and get something they have to take back. You know, if you buy Colin or Eric a, a striped shirt, if it, or if you buy them anything red, they're going to take it back. And I love red. But I can always buy Pastor something red and he'll wear it. <laughs> but anyway, because uh, they're conservative. Anyway. But anyway, I like to pick out blessings for them. Amen. It's so much fun. And God wants to pick out blessings for us. Amen. But you know, there's a principle in the kingdom, and the principle is to ask. Matthew 7, 7 says, To ask, and you shall receive. James 4 says, You have not, because ye ask not. James 1 says, To ask for wisdom. Proverbs 2 or I think it's Proverbs 2 verse 4 says to ask for understanding, cry out for understanding. There is a principle in the kingdom that if you don't ask, if you don't ask, you miss out. There's a principle of the kingdom that even though it's God's desire that we have to ask. And so that's how the principle, that's how the kingdom is set up. You know, I, I know when my kids were little, and they're still a lot this way, um, if we were going somewhere, and you know we was going to be gone a few days or something, or maybe if I was just going to Lubbock shopping when we used to have to drive 60, 80 miles to go shopping, well, um, um, they'd say, well, bring me something. And you know, we, didn't, we just didn't come back into town. We didn't come back into town without something. Bring me something. And see, God our Father is like that. Every day He wants to bring you something. Amen. He wants to bring you something. And we're going to get into more of that in just a minute. So uh, God is, uh, His blessing, His blessing in our life is to be the ultimate desire of our life. To have God's blessing on us. You know, we're a, a church that teaches prosperity. Puts a strong emphasis on prosperity. But I want to tell you something. Being wealthy is not the ultimate blessing. God's blessing on our life is the ultimate. Being rich is not the ultimate. Having money is not the ultimate. And of course, God wants us to have it. But it's like a stool. You can't, you can't stand a stool up on one leg. And you can't stand your life up on one leg of prosperity. It'll crash. It'll crumble. It'll fall apart. It won't be well with you if you just have one leg. God, make me rich. God, make me wealthy. 
Amen. And in this church, in a church like ours, we need the balance of that message. We need that message. And we're trying to counteract all sorts of stuff from the world and from our past concerning poverty. Trying to get God's people to believe that God wants them wealthy, that God wants them blessed. Amen. But it isn't the ultimate. It is not the ultimate. You cannot do without it. I mean, you cannot have a well-rounded Christian life without it. Something's missing without it. But if that's all you've got, you're in bad shape. If that's all you go after, you're going to be in bad shape. You're going to fall. You're going to have a crash. You're going to be disappointed at the end of your life. Did you know it? Because pleasing God and having His blessing on us That's the ultimate. Him being pleased with us. That's more important than any money. That's more important than any amount of money is God saying, I'm pleased with you. You did right. You chose good. Amen. So being rich isn't the ultimate. God's blessing is. Material wealth is a byproduct of your spirituality. We're supposed to be spiritual, folks. We're supposed to be spiritual. That means being led by the Spirit. That means loving God. That means pleasing Him. That means putting His work first place. That means serving Him. And then wealth being a byproduct of that. Wealth being God's reward for the good. Amen. Amen. We are to be immersed and consumed by what God, try, God try, is trying to do in us. We are to be immersed and consumed by what God is trying to do in us, through us, and around us. We're to be immersed in God. You know, in Exodus chapter 12, when it gives the Passover, and you know it says that they were to kill a lamb, and they were to put the blood on the doorpost, and then they were to eat that lamb. That is a picture of how we are supposed to be. Jesus on the inside, Jesus on the outside. Just Jesus all around us. Jesus. Our lives revolving around Jesus. Our hearts focused on Jesus. Our our eyes on Jesus. We won't make it if we don't do it that way. Amen. And we'll be a reproach on Christ if we do it any other way. If we seek first prosperity, we'll be a reproach on Christ because we'll compromise. We'll be a reproach if we don't have, if we don't let our prosperity be a byproduct of, of Jesus on the inside of us and Jesus on the outside of us. Amen. Pastor and I've had to pass up a lot of opportunities for prosperity. People ask us, when we became ministers and God called us out of farming, we were doing, actually, after we got filled with the Spirit, we started doing good farming. We were doing fine before, but we began to have a revelation and believe in God, and we began to have some very prosperous years in farming. But you know, God just, He so consumed our heart with the desire to follow Him and be in the ministry. I can understand how Matthew and all the tax, all of them, you know, when Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, how they could drop everything and go because that's how we felt. It was like, you know, it didn't mean anything. And so we dropped it and we left. And I mean, we didn't leave. We moved 18 miles away but um, from our, where we were farming. 
And we left it, and, and you know, we were consumed with it. And, um, and uh, we were consumed with that following Him and consumed with Jesus. And, and, you know, the fact that we significantly changed our income just did not matter to us. And we did. I mean, we went from, I'm telling you, when we were farmers, I used to keep money in my freezer, cash. I'm talking about cash money. Just had a bag, I kept it in the freezer, I guess. I don't know why. I guess then I thought if the house burns down, maybe the freezer will I don't know what I thought. But anyway, you know, you want to go on a vacation, just go get about $4,000 cash out of the freezer and put it in your purse and go on vacation. Or if you want to go to Lubbock shopping, you know, and, and here's how I went to Lubbock shopping. Just go buy anything you want, write checks for it, come home, call, call the bank, tell them to put some money in the account. I mean, that, and went from, but you know, it didn't matter because we were so consumed with Jesus and following Him and Him making us fishers of men. It was like, we didn't think, oh, you know, we're going to have to give up something. No, we thought we were going to gain something. Amen. Amen. And you know what? We did. I don't know. We had all that money, but you know what? I dress better now. I drive better. I live in a lot better. Amen. Hallelujah. See, I thought I was going to get something by leaving all to follow Him. But it wouldn't have mattered. In reality, it really wouldn't have mattered. But then after we left, well, there was opportunities. Men asked us to go back and, and to do deals and compromise and to, to, to do some things. And you know what? We said no, even though it had been very profitable financially. Why? Because having His blessing on my life is more important than anything. Amen. I want His blessing. I want His blessing. I, might, I, don't want, I don't want something just for today. I want blessing long term. Amen? I want His blessing in the dark of night. I want His blessing in the country and in the city. When I come in and when I go out. Amen. Because I know that, that, you know, money's not everything. I've already encountered some things in my life, y'all, that money wouldn't fix. I've, I don't know about you, but I've encountered some things that it doesn't matter how much money you have. It can't be fixed with money. It's going to take God. Hallelujah. So I want His blessing. So we're to be immersed in that. You know, we're to be well-rounded. We're to be whole. The, word, the Bible talks over and over again about people being whole. W-H-O-L-E. Whole. We're to be whole. When we just have one part of our life fixed, we're not whole. i got to have my relationships fixed. Or I'm not whole. Amen? i got to have my marriage right. It doesn't matter how much money you got if you're not... The, the town's full of people who've got money that don't have their marriages right. Amen. It doesn't matter how much, how much uh, I got to be whole. I got to be healthy. I got to have my health. I got to be able to sleep at night. Amen. You know, so I've got to be whole and that's God's plan for us. The whole man. That's why he said in John, uh, 3 John 2, he said, uh, um, I desire or pray or wish above all things that ye might prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. He said, I don't, he didn't just say, I want you to prosper. He didn't just say, I want you to be in health. He said, I want you to prosper and be in health, but I want you to have soul prosperity. 
You know what? You got to feel good about yourself. I need, I need to feel good about myself. I need, I need, there's so much I need. And it's not all just in one thing. I need God's blessing on my life. Amen. Now, the, we talked about this, so, but the principle is to ask. The God spoke to me and He said that the body of Christ hadn't been asking for God's blessing and that we hadn't been getting all that we're supposed to have. Now, in this church, you've probably been preached to about prosperity enough that you've been seeking God or asking Him for prosperity. But God is, wants to pick out some other blessings for you. He wants to do some other things in your life. He's our Father, and He wants to... You know, I don't. I, when I go shopping for my kids at Christmas, I, I don't just buy them all one thing. My, my guys are 24 and 19. And you know what? Their first thing they opened this Christmas was a toy. was a toy. We were in the Galleria, and this guy was flying this airplane. Did y'all see that in the Galleria, those guys flying those airplanes? Helicopters, yeah. Did anybody see that but us? And, you know, we said, well, we got to have two of those. Because we thought, we, know, we knew they'd have so much fun with them. I knew they would have fun with them even though they're grown because here's how I knew. One time, Michael's brother Randy bought Colin a helicopter for Christmas. And I don't know, Colin, how old were you? About eight, nine, something like that. And Randy and Michael and Dwayne, that's the three brothers, tore it up Christmas Day before Colin ever got to touch it. Crashed it. It ruined it. So that's how I knew that big boys like to play with toys. And you know what? <laughs> so Colin and Eric, they while we were cooking lunch, you know, keeping them pacified, while we was getting lunch, Christmas lunch ready, I said, y'all can open a present. And so they just tore in, they got their helicopters, and they went outside. And you know, Colin is like Tim the Toolman Taylor. You know, if, if one horsepower's good, let's put 29 on it, you know, or something, you know. <laughs> You know how that y'all watch that and everything. He he revved that thing up. He had it tore up before, didn't you? Because <laughs> he wanted to see if it would do faster and go harder and everything. You know, I like to pick out things for them, and I don't just buy clothes. I pick out other things. I, I one of the things I did is I wrapped up money and put it under the tree. And I wrapped it up in packages. And I put ties and I wrapped up socks. And I wrapped I did all sorts of things. I mean, sometimes I pick out cologne. I do. I just. I just. I just look at stuff and see what would bless them. And God, every day, has things that will bless you. That He wants to give you, Amen. So I've been coming aware of that more. And if you don't ask, you forfeit. Now you know a lot of Christians. I call them the automatic Christians. These are the people that believe that, you know, if you're saved, the blessing of God, it just kind of automatically drizzles on you a little bit at a time. And then there's the Christians that it's up to God. I call them it's the up to God Christians. You know, they just, well, if God wants me to have it, you've heard them. If God wants me healed, it'll just happen. If God wants me to prosper, I'll just be one of those that it just happens. And, and we know that's not right. You know, uh, and then all of, also there's this kind of Christian. It's, the, it's wrong to expect Christians. Y'all probably encountered some of those in your workplace. Well, I just believe it's wrong to expect blessings. Well, then the, here's the kind I feel guilty for asking Christians. And then there's the I don't deserve it Christians. 
And then I encountered one of these one time. It's the self-made man, Christian. I actually had a man tell me one time, I, I really don't want God to do it. I want to be able to say, I did it. Can you believe a Christian would say that? I mean, well, let me, let me just tell you something. I still know that of that man, and God ain't done it. And he didn't either. You talk about what living and walking under the curse. Amen. And then there's the devil's after me, but God's sprinkled a few blessings on my life, Christian. You know, they kind of, those Christians, they sort of look at it like the devil's always beating up on me. He's always doing things in my life, but God sprinkles a few blessings to sort of counteract that. Family, that's so far from it. God has so much for us. We don't want to live below God's plan. We I want to enjoy my God. I want to enjoy being a Christian. Amen. And reach my potential. You have, did you know, see, I heard somebody the other day, and I don't even know who it was, but said, well, you know about an older person, they've had a blessed life. And I got to thinking about that, and I don't even know the people. But I thought, yeah, a lot of times what we call a blessed life is, well, they lived long. They mostly kept their family together. They didn't have any major catastrophes. But mo a lot of times those people hadn't done nothing. They hadn't done nothing for God. They hadn't done nothing for this world. They just existed through life. There is so much more for us. You, did you know every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl God created for importance, for a destiny, a destiny of, of accomplishment, a destiny that will change and affect this world. All of them different. But I don't, you, you, it's just not right for us to go through life and have kids and have grandkids and we never did anything. We never accomplished anything. Didn't fulfill any destiny. Never helped God with anything. We're to be co-labors with Him. He needs our help in the earth. He can't do it without a human man. A human being. He can't do what He wants to do in the earth. And we are the ones. He's destined us for greatness. Amen. We need to get that in our heart and in our life. And in that destiny of greatness, then there's, there is, there's fulfillment for us. There's joy I, I don't know, but I've watched some of my kinfolks, my relatives, and they don't got much in their life. Oh, they, they had money. I mean, they, I, I don't mean a lot, but I'm talking about, you know, they lived and paid their bills and survived, and, and some of them have lived very long. And, 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 you know, they've had kids and they've had grandkids. I mean, we have a, I have a large extended family. And I'm talking about the very extended. I'm talking about like my grandmother had 13 brothers and sisters. There was 13 kids. And so this is a big family. But family, most of them, you know, you get to the end of their life and they've been sitting in a rocking chair the last 40 years on the front porch in a little town just getting up in the morning, eating a little breakfast, watching CNN several times a day, Watching their soap opera. Going down to a little denominational church and plugging in the clock three times a week. Taking a walk in the afternoon. 
You know those people. You got some in your family just like them. And then we get to the end of 80 or 90 years because we've got a, our, our family lives long. And we say, well, they had a good life. And I'm going, yeah, but they didn't do anything. Their kids are nothing outstanding. They didn't do a tremendous job of raising children or, or, or praying and believing their kids. You know, you know, you can, you don't, everything you do doesn't have to be out there where people see it. But I can tell you, if you're doing anything, people will see it. If you're praying, people will see it. If you're praying, it'll show up on your kids. If you're praying, it'll show up in your grandkids. Now, my grandmother, you wouldn't maybe be able to say too much about her, but I'm telling you, it showed up on her grandkids. Because me now, I was raised, my mom and dad, they, didn't serve, they weren't serving God. We moved when I was five years old, and they kind of didn't get back into church. You know how that is easy to do when you move. And so I wasn't raised going to church. My parents were what you'd call Christians, but they were backslid. We, had, we honored God in the sense of we had a respect for Him. We prayed over the meals. And we went to church. We went more than Christmas and Easter. We went, you know, maybe every other month or, you know, and then might have a spurt and go three times in two months. But just church was not really a factor in our lives. One of the most dreaded things we hated was when the pastor in that little town came and knocked on the door. I hated it even. I was a little girl and I hated it. Because I, I already, you know, you knew to feel guilty already. <laughs> they got that guilt thing down good, don't they? Amen. But you know what? My grandmother, she was a prayer. She was a prayer. And it showed up in the grandkids. It did. Because you know what? I tell you, now this is the honest truth. Not one time in my whole, and I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on her. But not one time did it ever cross my mind to rebel against my parents. Not one time did I ever rebel. Never. Not one time. And it was my grandma. It wasn't them. They were doing things they shouldn't do. And it was her. And, and, and you know what? She, uh, and, and I told her she prayed this man in. Now, she never told me any of this. I just know it. Now, I saw her praying, but I didn't know what an effect it was having on my life. And she prayed me through all kinds of temptation. Even after we were married, you know, I encountered a situation working in a job where there was a temptation, a big temptation, that came up in front of me. And you know what? supernaturally a man called me from another company and asked me to go to work for him. I had not even applied for the job. God will, when you pray, God will reach down and snatch you out of situations. And you know what? He offered me so much money that I thought, man, there's no temptation. God just financially bought me out of temptation. Grandmother's prayers. Grandmother's prayers. Now the other three grandkids, my, my, my dad, and he has one brother, and the other brother has three kids. Now, now his wife, he was raised Baptist, but his wife was Episcopalian. And he converted. But I tell you what, they don't preach in salvation in Episcopalian church. The priest smokes, he drinks. I mean, this is common knowledge. My, my uncle told me, 
Now, I'm quoting him, and I'm not saying this. I'm quoting him. He said, because <laughs> they have real wine at communion. He said, they do, you know. And he said, now this is what he said. I'm quoting him, okay? We may have to blurp this tape, but I'm going to tell you all. This is Sunday night crap. He said, you can tell all Episcopalians are alcoholics because they'll stand in line an hour and a half for one little sip of wine. Because... <laughs> Because at Christmas, they do, they all turn out. All the Episcopalians turn out Christmas and Easter because they're going to have communion. And there'll be a big long line. Come up there and the priest will give you a little wafer and, you know. And that's how my cousins were raised, like that. But I guarantee, you know what? All three of them are saved. Do you know why? Because my grandmother's prayers. Wasn't because their mother and daddy. I can tell you it wasn't because their mother and daddy. But she prayed them. She prayed. See, so what I'm saying is, what you being fruitful for God, you living to your potential, nobody really has to see it for it to show up. Amen? Amen. But if you're doing something for God, it's going to show up. And if you're not doing anything at home, family, it's going to show up. We were not perfect parents. We made some mistakes. We made some big mistakes. You know, sometimes we were too strict. And sometimes we weren't strict enough. Always fighting for that balance, you know. But one thing you did, you know what? Me and Pastor, we prayed for our kids. We didn't pray any real long, elaborate prayers. But we prayed for our kids. And I'll tell you what, it showed up. And I tell you, I, I'm not, I'm not bragging on us. I'm just saying, just, just doing these things, just, just being, having God's blessing on your life, believing God for His good hand to be on your kids. There were other people that were flowing right along with us in the same vein. But you know, some just too busy with life, just too busy going to basketball games and little dribbler games, and and you know, you don't get enough sleep at night, so you don't get to get up and pray in the morning. You know, I know how that set is. Because we had Christian school. I had to get up early to pray. And just not just not being a steward over that. And you know what? It showed up in their kids. Now all our kids are grown. And I'm talking about people that had kids along the same. We were, we were flowing together around the same age. I can tell you, there's, there's worlds apart in the difference in what their kids are doing right now and what our kids are doing right now. And it's not because they're preacher's kids. You know that. Because you've already seen some preacher's kids that are the worst of the worst. It's not being a preacher's kid. It's two things. It's prayer and it's living right before them at home. So they're not not being perfect, but not confusing them. In other words, going to the church and acting one way and going home and acting another. It's not being perfect. You do not know how many times I've had to repent to my kids for temper and all sorts of stuff. Because I've told you before, I used to be a door slammer. I could slam a door better than anybody in this. I mean, and you know, I can slam one nearly off the hinges, you know. And I've, you don't know how many times when I've had to tell my kids. I've had to tell the Lord, Father, I repent. And then my kids saw me and I've had to go say, Mama sin. I'm sorry, I repent. We're not talking here about leading perfect lives. You know, you can't. They know all your worst points. Your kids know. But I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about God's blessing. I'm talking about believing God for your kids. I, I know one of the main things that we prayed, and I, it's in my book in there, Victorious Children, if you want it. You can, and uh, one of the main things we prayed was uh, 
this little prayer we got from the swans, from David Roxanne Swan in Clovis. And it just said, one of the things in there is that, and just, just didn't make a big deal about this, but just prayed it on a consistent basis. If I have anything to say to you tonight, it's consistency. And just one of the lines in that prayer, and it's all based on Scripture, is that my children will never be unequally yoked with anyone who is inconsistent with the faith. And, you know, there were opportunities for Colin. Now, Eric's just getting to that age, but Colin, there was opportunities for him to be unequally yoked with people that were with the faith. There was opportunity at Rhema. There was a girl at Rhema that was so inconsistent with the faith, you couldn't believe it. And, her, and they were big wigs at Rhema. Her parents were in the higher uppers. There was opportunities, wasn't there? But he didn't. Why? Because that word is guiding you. The Bible says the word will keep you. That word was guiding him. That word was guiding him. That word was keeping him. That word will keep your kids. That word that my grandmother was praying was keeping me. I had opportunities, but there's somehow, it's like it never would materialize. You know what sin was like for me? It was like a firecracker that won't go off. It don't matter how many times I'd strike a match, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. See, you can pray your kids like that. Where they'll try, they may try to sin. They may be tempted to sin, but it's like striking a match to a dud firecracker. It just don't work. It don't materialize. It don't happen. It just somehow. See, prayer does that. Prayer does that. God's blessings do that. Oh, so, so we don't want to live below. You know, Exodus 34, 6 talks about, I'll just read it to you. We're fixing the end here. Get kind of wound up here. But I just want you to have God's blessing on your life. Pastor and I have had tremendous blessing on our life. And we want you to have it too. In every area. Because I don't care how much money you can prosper, but if your kids are on dope, it's not, gonna, it's not happy. Amen. It is not happy. You know, you can, if your marriage is crumbling, it's not happy. So sometimes I think we need to, we need to believe God in a more well-rounded way. Yes, believe Him for prosperity. And be active about it. But believe Him to work in some other ways in your life too. I, I see people sometimes, and, and they're trying to prosper, even in this church. And, and, and I can tell their soul's not prospering. I can tell they hadn't worked out the conflicts that are inside of them. They hadn't dealt with the old man. See, you, got, you want to prosper financially, you've got to deal with that old man. You've got to work out your salvation. You have, and each person has to work out their own salvation. You've got to get rid of the fears. And you've got to, you know, even believe in God and health. You, you're, you're constantly work, you're working out that unbelief. And you're, you're, you're working out things. And, and you're getting settled. You're getting fully persuaded. And, 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 and there are people here that, oh, money cometh. And, and God prosper me. And, but it's, well, let God bless you in some other areas. Let Him heal your soul. Let Him heal you so you don't hurt anymore from that old divorce that you had. Let Him heal you so that you're not in pain because you were... See, you're not whole if you still got pain because you were an abused child. And you're never really going to prosper completely. Let Him do all of it. Let the complete blessing come on you. Let him, let him do those things. 
You know, I heard a lady told me one time, you know, they'd gone through the divorce. She said, you can never get over it. She also told me you, you couldn't understand because you hadn't been through it. But I'm telling you, family, it's not true. You can get over it. You can be just like it never happened. You can be like, oh, that, that was a different person. Because I don't have that, but I have some other things in my life, and it's like it's a different person. It doesn't cause any pain anymore. I'm not ashamed anymore. It's just, it's like it never happened. God wants to work in your life. God wants to bless. God wants to put some relationships in your life. Some of us are so busy prospering, or just so busy, that we don't have time for relationships. You would be surprised the people we ask. I know we called a pastor recently, and we said, we'll come to your town. We want a fellowship with you. Well, they're too busy. You know, we might be a divine connection for them. God wants to get you hooked up with some things. God wants, you know, there's so much we could do. There's so much more we can do together. Amen. Amen. Let God bless. There's some people God wants you to witness to. There's some people God wants you, you know, that, are, that God wants to put in your life. And He, he can't bring them if He knows you're going to reject them. You know, the church has lost the art of hospitality. And I, I tell you, you know, a transition from a small town to a big town. Now, I, you know, in our small town, you know, there were people in our town that would come to our back door and open the door and say, Yoo-hoo! Anybody home? Now, I told T.C. Rowe that when we moved to Birmingham. I said, you know, I miss somebody just coming to the back door and saying, Yoo-hoo! He said, listen, if that happens in this town, if somebody opens the back door and says, Yoo-hoo, you run out the front. <laughs> we had to make a transition. But I don't know why that I noticed that in a large town, and it, I don't know why it has to be this way. Pastor and I are real spontaneous. We may decide on Friday at 4 o'clock, we want to go out to eat with somebody. But I've noticed that these large town people want four days notice. Why is that? It's just a mindset. We don't have to be that formal. We don't have to be that casual. I'll tell you like my pastor told me, Debbie, you need to learn to be more flexible. Listen, if you want God to set up some divine appointments in your life, you're going to have to learn to be more flexible. God's not going to always give you four days notice that you can entertain an angel unaware. The Bible says we're to be instant in season and out. I always say I've always got one foot in there. In other words, I'm ready to go. You know, you want to go somewhere? I've got one foot in there already. I'm ready to go. You know, we need to be like that. We need to be like that. Amen. Ooh. Well, are we in Exodus 34, verse 6? We're closing, kind of. This is a lot away from that book. I tell you, you're getting the amplified version. Uh, Exodus 34, 6. But this just got me thinking. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. He, do, he told us His nature right there. God told us His nature. The Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundance in goodness and truth. This was old covenant. You know, we in the church have thought that God's foremost personality trait was judgment. That the foremost thing He is is a, is a, a God of judgment, a, 
a God of wrath. And he, he didn't ever even say anything about that. He said, everything he said sounds good. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. This is his character. This is our Father's character. And you know what? He wants to bless us with all of it in every realm. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory. Well, let me just see. Might be something on page three you need to know. Not much. So anyway, we talked about it. About being well-rounded. About being balanced. You know, God's to be our all in all. And loving Him and pleasing Him are to be the foremost things in our lives. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures. 1 Timothy 6, 9. Just to give us balance. Don't you all want to have balance? The pastor always says balance is the key to life. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. Just talking about asking God to bless us because Jabez prayed. Now, we're going to obviously talk about this some more because we hadn't covered the last four things he prayed. But we're talking about asking God to bless us and letting God pick out some blessings for us. Amen? And asking Him consistently. If there was anything I wanted to point out to you tonight is that I think what we do in the body of Christ is we ask for a while and we forget. We ask for a week and we forget. Or we ask once or twice and we forget. I, this guy that wrote this book said he's been praying this prayer 30 years. This very same prayer every day. Well, if we was to ask God to bless us, Father, I ask you to bless me every day. God, I yearn and I long for your blessing God, for your blessing to be on my life, that is all I need, is for your blessing to be on my life. Knowing what we know in this church, that that blessing is not just spiritual, but that it includes prosperity. It includes every area of our life. But letting God do some things in our lives besides prosperity, besides just heal my body, prosper me, God leave me alone outside of that. Letting God do some things in our lives. Letting God do some things in our relationship. Letting God make us better in some areas. Amen. I know we had uh, we changed accountants. The Lord made it perfectly clear that was what we were supposed to do. Still in Chattanooga. And uh, uh, anyway, so this man, he said, I'll come over and spend the day with you. No charge at the church, to the church. And I'll just help you just... Actually, what he said, I'll help you change from Quicken to QuickBooks Pro. And so, so we said, okay. And he came. And you know, we've been believing in this church to move up a level. Now, I've been associated with the church books since 1982. I mean, I know how, and we have always had excellent books. The accountants commend us, you know. And, but I tell you what, we went up a level. He taught me things and showed me how to do things that I didn't know you could do. I didn't know how to do them. Amen? See, that was a blessing on me. I'll tell you, this little prayer of praying God's blessing has so impacted me and so stirred me up that I got me, I just started a journal of blessings. And I've just started writing down because immediately when I started praying this prayer, and when I first started praying it, I was like, that is a good book. I like that. I'm going to pray that. And I prayed it. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, things started happening. So much so that I started writing them down every day. And you know, they're not all financial. Some of them were blessings. Some of them were gifts. Some of them were uh, uh, 
uh, some work done at my house and some trees and although I tell you what, just some blessings like that. But I tell you also, uh, just got a note from somebody that just, man, I said, God, this is a blessing. Because it was more than just thank you note. It was a blessing. Somebody spoke something into your life. And, and then you know what else? And God wants to bless you. One night I had a dream and woke up the next morning and knew exactly what God, God was talking to me in a dream. And it's just God's blessing. So many things started happening like that that I thought, I want to write this down because I'm going to forget all He's doing. Yeah. Amen? So, so, so we're getting balanced here. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. See, if we just put on one stool leg and we just put one leg on our stool and that's be rich, be rich, be rich, be rich, we're going to fall. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. You need God to bless you. He needs to tweak us. He needs to fine tune us. I got to get rid of some stuff. Some of you are drowning in crud. I'll just tell you. Crud in your life that you are just letting, you're just letting it stay there and you're not letting God work. Ask Him to bless you. Ask Him to, to, to do in your life what He wants to do. Give Him entrance. 23.4 Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wing. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. We're not supposed to be laboring to be rich. Rich is a byproduct of our spirituality. Rich is a byproduct of our relationship with God. And you know, we've taught that in this church, but sometimes you hear it like you want to hear it. Sometimes you hear it like you want to hear it. Like I said, God, heal me, make me rich, but don't bother me about any of the other details in life. Well, He wants to bother you about those things because He wants to bless you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Am I kind of belaboring the point? I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. I want to just show you this because we're balanced. We are not an imbalanced church. We are balanced. We are balanced. Yes, we believe in prosperity, but we believe in being holy before we believe in being prosperous. Amen? And if it comes to between money and holy, we choose holy. Every time. Hallelujah. Now, you won't have to choose. You'll have to choose sometimes, but you won't have to do without. God can prosper you without um, compromise. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. See, sometimes we think we have to do it like the world does it. You're fixing to do your income tax. Don't steal from the government. Don't do it. Don't do it. Take every deduction they allow. Be a meticulous bookkeeper. Keep, don't pay anything you don't have to pay. But don't steal a dime from them. Amen? Hallelujah. No compromise. You won't, listen, you can go to sleep at night. You won't ever have to worry about, am I going to get audited? Now, we're not believing to get audited. But we know if they do, they won't find a thing. They're not going to find a thing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Wow, boy, it's good. 
It's good. God, God, if God can't prosper us, listen, we live in the most... I, I tell you, it's an honor. It's an honor to live here. It's an honor to pay taxes. It's an honor. That's an honor. There are people that'd rather be poor than pay taxes. There is true. It is true. It's like, don't prosper me, God, because the government might get some of it. I tell you, I, I, with all its faults, this is still the best there is. Amen. Amen. And we are so blessed. 1 Corinthians 5.11 But I now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, say brother, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one, know not to eat. Now it's talking about a brother in Christ. Somebody says they're a Christian and they do these things. We're not to keep company with them. We're, the Bible says not to eat with them. That means eat in company with them. In other words, we're not to have fellowship with people that do those things. Well, I was looking at it and that word covetous there, you know what the word covetous means? Eager for gain to the point of being a defrauder. Covetous is eager for gain. Now, I'm eager to increase. But I'm not eager to increase to the point of defrauding somebody in order to do it. Amen. And a covetous person is eager for gain to the point of being a defrauder. The Bible says if that's a Christian, don't even to keep company with them. Amen. Amen. Don't eat with them. Well, we're to have balance in our lives. We're not, the prosperity is not the whole leg of the stool. The whole, it's, not, it's just one leg. It's just one leg. Amen. Amen. I love God. I want to please Him. If I please Him, His blessing will be on my life. And if I ask Him for His blessing, He'll bless me. And He'll give me so much far and beyond what I could plan with my measly little thinking. He'll do so much more in my life. I don't want to be... I know some rich people that don't have any friends. I tell you, I like people. I like friends. I want relationships. I used to be afraid of people and avoided relationships. I can tell you, that's how I used to be. I was afraid of people and I avoided having relationships with people. And you know what I found out? It's real lonely. You're safe. You're safe. You're not going to get hurt, but you're going to be so lonely that it hurts. And you have relationships. Yeah, sometimes people hurt you. But it, it's worth it. God wants to bless you folks. So let's stand up tonight. And, and, and I want you to this week. Now next week, 